0: Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. A lot of stories hit the news and some of them may not be appropriate for my show simply because they don't involve legal issues. And so I watch a story and go, that's fascinating, but I don't know if my audience will want to hear about that. But there was a story a week or two back about how a casino's computer system got hacked. And it was quite an interesting story. And it kept unfolding. So number one, I was waiting to see how it continue to unfold. But number two, I was wondering well, what's the legal angle on this? And then Ed sent me notes that Steve checked this out. There's gonna be an issue potentially with the insurance claim on that. And I do talk about insurance claims quite a bit. I've dealt uh with a lot of insurance companies in litigation. And the question always is when there's a gigantic catastrophe, uh whether man-made or not, uh does the insurance company have to cover it? Or will there be problems making that claim? So this is from the stack Ed Target wrote it, the MGM hack, a $100 million hit. The company currently believes that its cybersecurity insurance will be sufficient to cover the financial impact to its business as a result of the operational disruption. So they think the insurance will cover it. They think it's sufficient to cover it. Uh, Of course, the question is, will the insurance company agree on that? And I've had people tell me, they go, Steve, I, I, I had something happen to me. My insurance will cover it. And I always tell them, well, you know, before you make statements like that, you should find out. Ask them (laughs) to see if they're going to cover it. Because if people call me back, they go, oh, my gosh, they denied my claim. So when you ask them, they said, no, we're not going to cover it. So that could be an issue. Takes two to tangle on that one. Uh, The MGM Resorts hack will cost the casino and hotel operator $100 million in lost earnings with $10 million in post-incident response. So... The $100 million should largely be covered by cyber insurance, according to MGM, in their SEC filing. That's why we know this is something that they said. And the attack happened in September. The filing says, company estimates a negative impact from the cybersecurity issue of approximately $100 million. The company has also incurred less than $10 million in one-time expenses uh, related to the cybersecurity issue, which consisted of technology consulting services, legal fees, and expenses of other third-party advisors. The full scope of this has not yet been determined, and the company is now also facing multiple class action lawsuits. So basically what happened, and I'm going to summarize this, is that somebody got into the computer system of MGM and messed with the system in such a way that MGM themselves could not get into their own system, and it interfered with everything I heard from, for instance, whether you're, key card would open your door at a resort to whether or not the slot machines were functioning properly. And of course, those are two things you need if you're going to cater to people who come to Vegas to play slots. So the MGM resort CEO said that data had been stolen of some customers as well. And this includes name, contact information, gender, date of birth, driver's license. We also believe a more limited number of social security numbers and passport numbers were obtained. So that's also a problem. And as part of the remediation efforts, we have rebuilt, restored, and further strengthened portions of our IT environment. When I was at the Institute for Justice retreat, I talked to James King. who was the guy who got beat up by undercover or plainclothes uh, cops in Michigan, and his case is working its way through the courts, Uh, and he's an IT guy. And he and I were talking about this because the story was that there was advertisements in various trade journals looking for IT experts who were willing to come out and get paid a lot of money to work around the clock to fix a problem. And it was apparently MGM looking for people who'd come out and do this because they needed it done fast. They were willing to pay for it, but you were, you know, you were going to be needed to work uh, a, a lot of hours a day, several days in a row, many days in a row. And uh, I'm not sure how well they accomplished that in terms of getting people to follow up on that. So there was a ransomware group that claimed um, credit for the MGM attack. They said its attack involved gaining administrative credentials uh, on a platform as well as a cloud tenant after an initial vishing attack, vishing with a V, after failing to persuade MGM to negotiate. It then hit uh, a bunch of technical stuff I couldn't pronounce if I had to with ransomware on September 11th, the group has claimed. Now, somebody had warned in a late August blog that customers were reporting a consistent pattern of social engineering attacks against their IT service desk, in which the caller's strategy was to convince service desk personnel to reset all of the MFA factors enrolled by highly privileged users. The attackers then leveraged their compromise of highly privileged super administrator accounts to abuse legitimate identity federation features that enabled them to impersonate users within the compromised organization. And that was about two weeks before the $100 million MGM hack. I didn't understand that, but somebody in the audience will. (laughs) All it means, uh, it says, according to the stack, is unclear what all this means. Uh, Even... One group seems unsure as the exact initial attack path, that is, the people who are attacked. The attackers in these instances, um, according to the security advisory, appeared to have either passwords to privileged user accounts or be able to manipulate the delegated authentication flow via Active Directory prior to calling the IT service desk at a targeted organization. U.S. authorities have warned in the wake of an investigation into how another crime group uh, breached MFA so effectively in social engineering campaigns that it resulted in the breach of hundreds of organizations that identity and access management weaknesses are some of the most serious vulnerabilities in the digital ecosystem. So now we're dealing with the digital ecosystem and cybersecurity insurance. Dramatic improvements are necessary and will require a whole industry approach to innovate and implement meaningful solutions, Web and mobile application developers should leverage fast identity, online compliant, hardware-backed solutions built into consumer devices by default, one report said. Uh, so that's that with a lot more technicalities behind it. But basically it boils down to this. Somebody got into the system, MGM, and took control of the system such that MGM no longer had control of it, or at least not all of it. And the hackers said, if, if you want control of your system back, you got to pay us. It's unclear if they paid or if they paid how much they paid. Because I heard reports saying that they paid some of what they were asked to pay, but not all. Uh, I've also heard that they got this all straightened out and got it all back online, but we're not sure if they did that by paying somebody or not. We don't know. And so some of these questions we don't know. But the bigger question is this. You take out an insurance policy and you're a casino and you say, we have... Cybersecurity insurance because we've got liability potentially in the cybersecurity space if someone were to hack into our system. Now, I've seen and read a lot of car insurance policies, and car insurance policies are mind numbingly boring, but it'll say things like, We are insuring your automobile. We is defined as the insurance company, as subsidiaries, etc., etc., etc. You, the insured, are the person whose name appears on the front page of this, and you've paid your premiums, and, and that's who you are. And then it'll say, and your vehicle is described as following, and then it'll say, and here's what we will cover. So in the case of an accident, it's a covered event, we will pay the following things with respect to damage to the car, we'll pay for the following things with respect to injury of the occupants, we'll, and, and they, they spell this stuff out. And as you can imagine, in the, I don't know, decade or two, the cars have been on the roads. uh, They've figured out what kinds of things can happen. And despite that, there's still litigation almost daily where insurance companies are going, well, we don't cover that. (laughs) We cover that, but not that. And you you, you think to yourself, how is it possible? But then you read some weird case and you go, oh, wait a second. I do kind of understand how that might not have ever arisen before. And so I remember, you know, just reading the various journals that come out with the latest cases from the courts of appeal and so on, and seeing cases that get litigated, and a lot of them are auto insurance cases, and so there's a lot of lack of clarity, despite the fact of how well these policies are written. And so I'd love to know what a cyber a cybersecurity insurance policy looks like and what it reads like, because one of the things that happens. Is when somebody takes out an insurance policy and just I'm talking about just go back the old school days, like where there's like Lloyds of London. And I realize Lloyd's is not the insurer, Lloyd's is actually the clearinghouse. That I understand that. But let's talk about the days of Lloyd's of London, okay? So you've got something you want to insure. What is it? It's a ship. I own a big ship, okay? And my big ship is going to go over to North America. And it's going to bring with it a load of supplies, some kind of supplies that they're short of over there, okay? Kegs of nails. Let's just suppose they need nails. I know for a fact I can bring over a shipload of nails and kegs, nails for building stuff. And when they get over there, they can sell all the kegs of nails and they'll raise a bunch of cash. They'll then use the cash to buy something they've got a lot of over there and bring it back over here. So when we get over here, we'll have all this stuff we can also sell. So the profit for me on this trip, generally speaking, is the difference between what those nails cost me to what I sold them for. And then what I bought over here and what I sold it for over here, those differences minus my operating costs, et cetera, et cetera. And if I want to, of course, I can, I don't know, uh, amortize the value of the ship over time if I can do that on my taxes. But the point is that I've got this ship, it's going over, it's coming back. It's crossing the Atlantic Ocean before they had GPS. And the sailors, some of whom aren't happy with their jobs, are a disgruntled group. And so what are the odds that ship will make it back? Well, believe it or not, people started doing the math in that years and years and years ago. Because most of the ships make it back. Not all of them, though. So somebody's going to sit down and go, okay. What will I have to pay out if that ship goes down? What are the odds of it going down? And how can I do this so that if I'm basically like playing a game at a, at a casino, if I, if I know that one out of 20 ships sink, but the other 19 make it, such that the premiums from the 19 that make it, will more than compensate me for the one big loss I have. Of course, the premium also gets thrown at the pool there. And so you start doing the math on this stuff. And some of this stuff is very easy to calculate. So an insurance company goes, we're going to cover you for the value of your car if your car gets destroyed. Well, there's a marketplace for cars. We can figure out what cars are worth for the most part. I understand some of the collector cars might be harder to value, but talking about you know your basic RAV4 from a recent story I did, uh, they can calculate what that car is worth. So they go, okay, the odds that car getting destroyed are this. Here's what the car is worth. We can calculate that out all day long. But a ship going down might be more. It might be quite a bit of money. But what is the cybersecurity risk of a casino? And so I'm assuming a good insurance company would have put some people on this who would have sat down and said, okay, what would happen if the computers here either went dark or they were hijacked by bad actors trying to cause damage, how much could that possibly be? And so MGM is right now saying it's about $100 million. It's about $100 million. And the question is, did the insurance company, people who were doing the math on how much to charge for premiums, were they anticipating a $100 million claim? They might have. I don't know. They might have been. I don't know. Uh, and of course, I know some of are going to say, but Steve, they may have a cap on this. And they, they may. They may also have a big deductible. I don't know, but I'm pointing this out. So we've seen cases before where somebody had agreed to insure something. And then it turns out that the harm that befell the people who had the loss was way out of proportion to what anybody anticipated. And that's what I'm curious most about here. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a story down the road where it says something to the effect of insurance company denies MGM claim, litigation ensues. That headline would not surprise me, but it would make the news simply because the numbers would be so large. Because again, right now, MGM is saying, hey, we're at $100 million, but we got insurance for that. So we'll just turn it over to them and they'll just cut us a check. And uh, when someone's cutting a check for $100 million, they don't do that without a lot of investigation and quite often a lot of litigation. So that's the real point here. So Ed, thanks for sending it. The MGM hacks, $100 million hit. And the company's thinking cybersecurity insurance should cover it. We'll see the stack. Published that for Ed Target, who wrote it. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Leto's Law. Never memorize something you can look up.